Hey everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. This idea of so has carried into 2021, and we just thought, you know, the idea of uh, the fruit of the Spirit of self-control was so important to talk about, especially around this time of year and the beginning of, of, of a new year. And so we just want, really wanted to just talk about self-control in that area. And so that's what we're, that's what we're doing. And, and really the, what we're, the statement that we've been coming around is, is this, especially when it comes to sowing into self-control, the statement that, that we, is how to choose, how to choose to do the right thing, how to choose to do the right thing when the wrong thing is more tempting. Isn't that true for all of us? How to, how to choose to do the right thing when the wrong thing is sometimes, maybe even we could say oftentimes, more tempting. And we, we've been saying things like if we're, not, if we're not deliberate, we will be easily distracted. If we're not deliberate, we'll be easily distracted from doing the right thing. It's just the way that we're made in the in nature, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that. And we said if we are not deliberate, we will slowly decay. We will slowly decay. And we, if you're here with us last week, watched last week, if you didn't, you should go back and, and listen. Um, but it, we, we came around this one verse uh, in Proverbs 25, 28, in, in, in talking about self-control. Like a city that is broken into and without walls is a man or woman who has no control over his spirit. So we, we want to make sure uh, that our lives are not like a city that ha- doesn't have any walls, that we're defenseless against the enemies that want to come in and distract us, the enemies that want to come in and, and, and cause chaos and, and spiritual decay in our life. So we need to be careful. We need to be careful. And the idea is, is simple, is that it talks about, okay, if you go back, Neva wrote for me, it talks about how if we don't have any control over our spirit, what our spirit is sort of our inner inner man. And maybe uh, you've likened it to like when you describe somebody that has some spirit to them, right? They have some spirit. There's some spirit about them. There's some enthusiasm. There's some excitement. There's some some thrill to them. Maybe uh, you've likened it to like some team that has team spirit or you have team spirit when it comes to your favorite team, right? We get a little overly enthusiastic about our team sometimes, right? And we and we, we have so much team spirit that we put on our team gear and our team apparel and because we love our team, we have we have what, what we call team spirit. That's, that's what it referred to. Sometimes, and maybe when it comes to the area of self-control, sometimes our, we can get out of control when it comes to our team spirit, right? And I remember, um, you know, I, I believe it was part of God's preparation uh, for, for ministry and leading church is I did a lot of refereeing and umpiring in sports, I'm telling you, if there's anything that can prepare you for ministry, it is refereeing and it is umpiring two opposing teams, right? 
two opposite sides. Like this was, I believe God allowed me to do this in order for me to do it. And I, I can't even tell. I, 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 I retired from refereeing at a very young age. I was like, I don't want, I can't handle this anymore. The fans and their team spirit was out of control. Like I remember refereeing one game at a school and these parents were just giving it to me, man. And I, you know, I was, and I was refing a good game, you know, like I was making good calls and these parents were just letting me have it and I looked over and I recognized them and you know where I recognized them from I recognized them from my church <laughs> and I and I and I and I finally there was a timeout and I walked over to those parents that I knew from my church and I said you guys better knock it off we go to church together if anything is most effective when it comes to Christians, it's guilt, isn't it? Man, they didn't say another word afterwards. They, they realized they had to put their Christian hat on, you know, and because uh, they were, you know, it's like, so, it's so easy. I mean, I, 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 I've shared this story before, and it's nuts. I still, to this day, I'm like, my mind is blown. Like, I was refereeing. This was a, this was a third grade girl's. Think about this for a second. Third grade, third graders, it doesn't matter what gender, don't get upset with me. Third grade game in a basketball game, and we, the game got over, and there were some parents that were upset with my refing partner in the game. And this, this mom was so upset that something happened within the game. And nobody got injured, nothing, nobody got hurt, but she was so upset at this refing game that, it, that, it, that the, it escalated into that this mom jumped on my refing partner's back and was clawing his neck, and he's trying to get her off of him. This is a true story. It so happened to be that this, this woman, this mother of, of a third grader, was the wife of a former Lions quarterback... And he was at the game, and I look over to him, and this former Lions quarterback has another guy by the shirt ready to punch him in the face. This is a third grade basketball game. Sometimes our team spirit can get a little out of control. We can lose control if we're not careful. And so he says, listen, like a city that is broken into without walls is a man or a woman who has no control over his spirit. It gets out of control. So if we are not deliberate, we will be defeated. If we are not deliberate, we will be defeated. If we're not deliberate, we're going to be distracted. That's for sure. If we're not deliberate, we're going to spiritually decay, that's, a, that's for sure. If we're not deliberate, we will be defeated. We have to be deliberate about having some self-control. Having some self-control. One of the verses that is most encouraging to me, I know it shouldn't be encouraging because if who, Paul, who, uh, who wrote it, probably felt as vulnerable as you feel and I feel in life and in these, in these times where things don't really go the way that we want them to go or we don't act or, or we re-react in a way that we shouldn't act or react, right? So the Apostle Paul is, is writing this, to this church in Rome and he's describing 
his, his turmoil or his internal battle that he's having with his spirit, trying to make sure that his walls aren't down, that he doesn't allow the enemy to come in, but he's, he's in a war. He's in a war, and, and he's just, he describes it in this way. So it, it, I read this, and we should read this and say, okay, if this has happened to the Apostle Paul, who the Apostle Paul was this an, an unbelievable, incredible person that God used mightily. And if he's having this kind of turmoil, and he's having these ki this kind of internal battle, then you should know and you should take encouragement in the fact that when you have this too, when you feel this way too, you're in good company. You're in good company. You're not alone. Here's what the Apostle Paul says uh, in Romans chapter 7. He says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me. That is in my flesh. He says, For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. Anybody? Can anybody relate? Yes. Thank you for some of you being on. Of course we can. He goes on to say this. He says, For the good that I want, I do not do. But the, I practice the very evil that I do not want. I love the way that Eugene Peterson writes it in a, in a paraphrase. He says this. He says, I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? You see... I don't know how, I don't know about you, but I, I know that for me many times and that, man, I, 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 just, I just want, you know, to grow spiritually. You know what I mean? Like I want, I want to have a better, stronger spiritual life. And maybe that's where you're at too. But then I find myself waking up in the morning and the first thing that I do is I check the news or I check my social feeds or, you know, I check my emails and, you know, and then I realize time has gotten away and I've got to now get up and get ready and, you know, help with the kids or, you know, get to a meeting or whatever. And, and, I, and I've missed something that's most important and that is starting my day off. Off with God, right? Anybody ever, can anybody relate to this? Okay, you can, you can. Maybe you're going, ah, man, I just, I want my kids to have a better relationship with Jesus. I want my kids to have what I have in Jesus. I want them to have it too. And then we come down to a Sunday morning and we forget to log on to church. Or we come to a Wednesday night, Champion Kids starts at 6.30 on our Facebook page, shameless plug, and you forget to log on and join that. Or you're like, you know, or, you know, I just, I just, I, I'm, I'm okay with coming out and I'm okay with bringing my kids out, but, I, you know, it's just a lot of work and it's just too much effort to get them out the door. And so often, isn't it true that oftentimes we, we know what we want to do, we know what we want, but we sabotage it. It's almost like there's just something inside of us. It's like, I know what I'm supposed to do. I know what I need to do but I just don't do it. And we know this is true when it comes to our health, you know, our dieting, our exercising. We know what we need to do. There's nothing new out there that you can find to say, you know what, this sounds good or this will work or I can do this. We know what we need to do when it comes to having better health. 
We know what we need to do when it comes to finances. There's no greater, there's no better time now than to be able to know what it looks like to have better, healthier finances. We know what we need to do, but we still spend way too much. And we still decide to sit instead of walk, or we still decide to eat McDonald's instead of something like a salad. These are real things, right? And Paul is saying, man, I have that. I feel that too. And here's what we need to remember. We, we must, we must, we need to know this. We must connect the dots between the choices we make and the outcomes we experience. The reason why we have the outcomes that we're experiencing now is because in the past we've, we've, we've made choices, Right? We've made decisions that ultimately have determined what we're experiencing. We've sown into something, and then ultimately when you sow into something, you're going to reap what you sow. Right? What is our enemy? What is, what is it that we fight against? What is it that we on a day-to-day basis, go, I want to do what's right, but I don't. I want to be better, but I'm not. I want this to improve, but it isn't. What is it that, that we're fighting against? Well, John gives us the best definition of what it is that we're fighting, what we're, what we're battling against. Here's what John says. John says, for all that is in the world, and here's what he says, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, in the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but it is from the world. He says, this is what we're battling against. He's saying, he's saying the lust of the flesh. He says, the, the, you know, the, John and, 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 and Paul and, and Peter and others would say, you know, this, these are like our, our urges. These are like our appetites that we need to feed. These are like things, you know, that, that cause us to make, that we think that if we, you know, get angry, if we have an outburst of anger, if we rage out, that, that that's going to make us feel better. That's going to itch. If we talk about somebody else, if we gossip about somebody else, if we slander somebody else, that that's going to make us feel better. These are what John would say and Paul would say and Peter would say and Jesus would say most importantly that these are the lusts of the flesh. These are their, these urges or these appetites that we have that we need to, we think we need to do it in order for us to scratch that itch, if you will. And then he says the lust of the eyes. And, you know, the lust of the eyes is basically seeing something that looks good. Like if you were with us last week, we talked about this guy by the name of Achan who, who when he was in Jericho, he, he saw a robe from Shinar and he saw some silver and he saw some gold. And it says that he looked at it and he, he says, I coveted it. And then he says, I took it. This is the lust of the eyes. It's seeing something that we that looks pleasant to us, that looks pleasing to us, and it's seeing that and saying, I covet that, I must have that. Even though it's not mine to take, even though it belongs to somebody else, it's what I want to have, and I'm going to take it. That's the lust of the eyes. And then John says, the boastful pride of life. This is, I need more. I need excess. 
I need to keep up with the Joneses. They can do that. They can go on that trip. They can go on, they can buy, purchase that thing for their house. They can buy that size of house. They can buy that car. And if they can do it, so can I. And if they get to have it, I want to have it too. I want more. I want excess. I want the new, shiniest, brightest thing. It's the boastful pride of life. And John says, this is not from the Father, but this is in the world. And this is what is vying for our affection. And this is what is causing us to be distracted this is what is ultimately decaying our spiritual life. And this will, at the end of the day, defeat you and me. It happened to me this week. This very thing. Me and my two older kids, Nathan and Hannah, decided that we needed to go to Costco We get to Costco and we grab our cart and we're walking into Costco and we're getting, we're heading towards the, the fruit uh, section of Costco and be, I don't know if they intentionally do this, but before you get into the fruit section of Costco, there's this bakery section of delicious things and I look and I see this, what, what is labeled, don't show it yet, what's labeled cinnamon sugar butter bread, doesn't that, don't, don't show it yet. You showed it. Okay. It looked like, it, so this is, this is what happened. This is what happened. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I, I, it's good. This is good. So this is, there was three of these. Like we went Monday to Costco. Like this was less than a week ago. There was three of these loaves of bread. Like it, it was cinnamon, sugar, butter, bread. Like everything that I love. Cinnamon, sugar, butter, it bread. Everything, it just all, and I, and I was hungry, and it, it doesn't take much convincing to my older kids of, hey, I think we should get this. So I, my appetite was, I'm hungry. I saw this, and I, I it, it was attractive. It was attractive. So then I decided, then I decided, hey, so we bought this cinnamon sugar butter bread, and now we've eaten two and a half of it. And I decided, hey, I, I, asked, I told my, my older kids, Nathan and Hannah, I said, hey, let's, let's take one out, put it on a plate, and let's tell mom that dad made it. I, I don't know why. I just thought it would be funny. But really, I'm like, you know, I want my wife to think that I'm awesome. So if I can somehow convince her that I made this, like as if we have anything that would, you know, help me or give me any kind of, you know, supplies of, of how to make this. She, she like, I, I, I don't know. But she didn't buy it at all. Like not for one second she didn't buy it. But we tried. We're like, look at honey, look at what I made today while you were off at work. You know, I stayed home, made sure that I went to Costco and I got some things. And then, you know, once I told her I went to Costco, she said, you got that from Costco. I'm like, yeah, I did. So the, the, the issue is... Here's the thing, I, I, just on a cinnamon sugar butter bread, I had the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. 
just, just in a loaf of bread. Like, th- this is how bad it is. And I feel like what Paul says next. Look at it. Look at what Paul says next. Wretched man that I am. Wretched man that I am. I know. And this is the thing about life. There are things that look better. They, they look good. They look, they're so tempting. But we need to know. We need to know that sometimes those aren't the best things. And Paul says, I am just trying to win this battle. And Paul would say, and you would say, and I would say, some days, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, they defeat me. They defeat me. And Paul asks the most important question, who will, who will set me free from the body of this death? And look what he answers next. Look at, the, look at the answer. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's it. That's the victory. That's what we, you need to know. That through Jesus, you can win. That through Jesus, you don't need to be defeated. That through Jesus, you don't have to lose to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. That through Jesus, you can do it. So here's the battle. Here's the battle. The battle is between self-control and spirit-controlled. That's the battle. It's the battle of can I control or am am I going to control my life? Am I going to do what I think is right in my own eyes? Or am I going to let the Spirit of God to control my life? That's where the battle is. And Paul says here's here's the solution to it. The solution to it is knowing that Jesus gives you the ability. Jesus gives you the strength. Jesus empowers you to do what you can't do on your own. Peter talked about it. And here's what Peter said, and I hope this is helpful to you. Peter said it this way, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Savior. So in other words, he says, I want, here's what God wants. Here's what God wants for you. God wants your grace and peace to be multiplied to you. He wants it to be multiplied to you in the knowledge. That word knowledge means in a growing relationship with Jesus. He says, I want grace and peace as you grow into a relationship with Jesus. I want that grace and peace to be multiplied to you. And then he goes on and says, says this. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life, and godliness through the true knowledge of him who's called us by his own glory and excellence. So in other words, here's what he's saying. He's saying that you and I, through Jesus, through Jesus, have a, what he calls a divine power. A divine power. Paul talked about that in Ephesians. Paul would say things like this. Paul said this in Ephesians 1. He's saying, he's saying this. No, no, not yet. He would say in Ephesians 1, he would say, what, what Christ has given you, what Christ has given you in you is the same power that resurrected him from the grave. That's what Paul would say. In you, in you, and Peter is saying divine power, in you is the same power that resurrected Jesus from the grave. Paul says, it, says this in Ephesians 3. Look what he says. Now to him 
who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. How is that possible? Well, it's according to the power that works within us. That in you and in me is a divine power. And that power is a, allows us to do, is, it gives us the ability to do far more abundantly beyond all that we can even ask or even think to ask. According to his power that works within us. And we know, we, we, here's what we know. Here's what we know. We know about our natural person or what we know about nature. If we think about the physical world and, and nature, here's what we know. Nature determines appetite, right? Nature determines appetite. That's why birds eat bird food, dogs eat dog food, cats eat cat food, pigs eat pig food, right? Fish eat fish food. The, the, nature determines appetites. Nature determines what certain things eat when it comes to the, and our nature is the same. Our nature is the same. We have particular appetites. Also, nature determines action. Nature determines action. So like, you know, how, you know there's schools of fish, right? There's prides of, of lion prides, right? There's herds of cattle, you know, there's, there's different, different ways in which we describe, you know, uh, nature, how nature determines action. And, and, third thing, nature determines association. Nation, nature, nature determines association. So this is often, this is all true for us. Nature determines appetite. Nature determines action. Nature determines association. So here's what Peter is saying, and here's what Paul would say, and here's what Jesus would say to all of us. When it comes to, to our divine nature, our divine nature, that our appetites should be or ought to be spiritual. That our actions ought to be selfless. And then who we associate with ought to be united in spirit, taken from what Paul said. So our appetites ought to be spiritual. If we have the power in us, that Paul describes and Peter describes and John describes and Jesus would describe, the power in us that, what, that determines our nature and, and our appetites and our actions and our associations, all of those things that, that God has given us this power to do inside of us that you and I can't do on our own. And it's far more abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think is that power that is in every one of us to do something that we thought that we couldn't do on our own and to beat something we thought we could never beat why because he's given us his divine nature you are a new creation in Christ Jesus if you have a relationship with Jesus if you put your faith in Jesus you have his divine nature power in you to have appetites that are spiritual to do have actions that are selfless and to be associated with those who are united in spirit same love same purpose intent on one mission and that is to get people to know who Jesus is this is the divine 
power that you have. This is why Paul could say, who can rescue me from my body of death? Who's going to rescue me from losing the battle of self-control versus being spirit-controlled? Jesus Christ gives me the victory, and I thank him for it. Because he's instilled in you and me. He's given all of us, to those who put their faith in Jesus, a divine nature. A divine nature. Peter goes on to say this, verse 4. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. What are those things? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. He says, because of his divine nature, he's given you the power and the promises to escape those things. That you no longer have to partake of Anything in this world that where you get your fulfillment and satisfaction is from God. That's where you get it. A number of years ago, I took a group of people to the Philippines. We spent about 10 days on the Philippine islands. And nearby where we were staying was this garbage dump. They would collect garbage from homes. They would drive it and they would dump this garbage in, the, in this garbage dump. We have them around here too. In the Philippines, there was a community of people that lived in the garbage dump. And so I said, I said, hey, let's do this. Let's go to a grocery store. Let's get a bunch of food and let's take it over, the, over to the garbage dump and let's just feed them something that isn't from the garbage. And so we did. We made a bunch of sandwiches and different types of food and, and brought over as much food as we could. And we drove, you know, into this garbage dump and we set up and we set up a bunch of food. And man, I'm telling you, they came over. They had a great meal that they could partake of that wasn't trash. And I shared this this verse with them, and I said, listen, you don't have to partake from the trash of this world, that you can partake of the bread of life. You don't have to partake of the trash of this world. You can partake of the fruit of the Spirit. You don't have to partake of the trash of this world. You can partake of the meat of the Word of God. And I'm telling you, that's what will fill you up. That's what will satisfy. That's what will bring give you life. This is the concept for all of us. He's saying, don't partake of the trash of this world by its lust. Partake of who Jesus is and the promises that he gives to you out of the power that he provides to every single one of us. Don't eat from the trash of this world. Don't look to the trash of this world to satisfy, to fulfill your appetites, to think anything from this world will satisfy your appetite or to live out in your actions or in even who you associate with. That the reasons why 
you exist and I exist. It's just so that we can know what it means to have a new nature, a divine nature that resides in us to allow us to have victory over the things that are ultimately defeating us. Defeating us. So Peter gives some practical help for all of us. Here's what he, look what he says in, the, in verse 5. Now, for this very reason, what reason, Peter? Well, the reason that we have divine power, a new nature, that, that he's got promises for us. He gives us the ability to escape from this world. He says, for this very reason, he says, applying all diligence, applying all diligence in your faith supply. So in other words, he's saying, listen, if you want to have victory in your life you, and you want to you know, tap into the power source that you have, the same power that resurrected Jesus from the grave, the same power that, is, that allows you to be able to do abundantly more beyond anything you can ask or think. How do you be able to do that? Here's what you need to do. Here's, where you're, here's our part. That we need to take that, take that and apply it in all diligence in our lives. What is it applying all diligence? It means, it means let me give you an example in this way. It's like if you're on a raft, like on a lake, or maybe even like a river, you sometimes, you can't just let the raft take you where you want it to go, right? Because oftentimes you'll just drift away, right? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like you want to relax, but when you do, you're just going to find yourself way too far away from the boat. So some, what we have to do sometimes is in order for us not to drift too far away, we have to apply all diligence. In other words, we have to work at staying in the safe area. We have to keep paddling into where we don't drift too far away. That's what he's sort of describing when it, when it when, you know, talks about applying all diligence. It's just working at it, working at it. You're going to have to work at it. You're, you're going to have to not let your guard down. You're going to have to not let yourself relax. I know we have times where we just want to. We just want to let our guard down. We just want to relax. We want to just, you know, go about life and, and you know, not do anything. But we need to know if we do that, if we let our guard down, if we relax for one second, we're going to drift so far away. And so Peter's saying, when it comes to tapping in and understanding and realizing the power that you have, and the provisions that God gives to you, and the promises that God has for you, you're going to have to apply yourself. Just like any diet or exercise or financial budget or project, if you want to, if you want to be successful at that, if you want to do well at that, you're going to have to apply yourself. You're not just going to lose the weight by, you know, just doing nothing you got to apply yourself. You're not going to be, be healthier by doing nothing. you got to apply yourself. You're not going to have a better financial budget by doing nothing. you got to apply yourself. You're not going to get that project done by doing nothing that's not going to get done by itself, right? You've heard that before. you got to apply yourself. Anything good that we want in our life, we have to apply ourselves. 
So over, um, you know, between Christmas and New Year, we, had, we accumulated a lot of stuff. We got rid of a lot of stuff, but we also accumulated a lot of stuff. The way I describe it is I have no, no longer any more room on my floors, so now I have to put things on my walls, and so I had to go get a bunch of shelves. And so one of the job, one, many of the, a lot of the few days that I had over break was putting up building shelves or putting up shelves on my wall. And so when the best way that you have to, in order for the shelf to be able to go up on the wall, I had to apply myself, but I also needed some, some supply, some supply. So Peter says, hey, so you got to apply diligence, but you also need your, it need to come out of your face supply. So this was my supply, my shelf building supply, my shelf installing supplies, right? Like these were the, the, the directions that I needed. These are my screws and my anchors. These are my drill bits, my drill gun, my hammer, my level, you know, my, uh, you know, uh, you know, my rule, my, my tape measure, you know, um, <laughs> you know, the, the, the caulk to fill in, you know, the, the, you know, the fill in the holes, the old holes. This, this was my supply. So I just carried this box around me every room that I went to put up a shelf. But these are the supplies that I needed in order for the job to get done right. This is, you need to know, you have and I have a faith supply, a faith supply. We have the power of God. We have the presence of God. We have the promises of God. We have a, a faith supply. That is, and, and, then you, and then you have to apply that to your life with all diligence in order for you to get the job done when it comes to being the person that God wants you to be. You got to apply. You got to apply this. Well, what do I apply first? Where do I need to apply all diligence out of this faith supply in order for me to get the job done? Well, here's what Peter says. Here's what he says. For, for this very reason, also, applying all diligence in your faith supply, and look what he says, moral excellence, moral excellence. The word, the term moral excellence means this, purpose fulfilled. That's what it means, purpose fulfilled. In other words, just like things in our life that we use, you know, it has a purpose to them, it has a purpose to them. Like some things like a vacuum cleaner, for example, its purpose is to suck up the dirt, right? And to clean the, the floor, right? That's the purpose of it. That's the purpose. It, it's it's when, when its thing that it's created for fulfills its purpose. That's what he, it would describe. That's the definition of moral excellence. In other words, when something does what it's supposed to do right, it's excellent. It's excellent. Your and I's purpose, your and I's purpose, through the power of God, through the presence of God, through the promises of God, your and I's purpose needs to be fulfilled when we do what we're supposed to do within our divine nature. And ultimately our purpose Ultimately, our purpose at the end of the day, when everything is stripped away, is, is one thing, to give glory to God in everything and in all things that we do. 
And that's our goal. So when it comes to every area of our life, we're to live and we're to apply with all diligence. And you have the supplies to do it. You have the supplies to do the job. That you're, you and I are supposed to have moral excellence. Moral excellence. It doesn't say moral poorness or moral fair or moral average or moral above average. It doesn't even say moral good. It says moral excellence. It's just like the reason why when you buy things on Amazon, hopefully you do this, you go to the reviews, right? You go to the reviews. You look at the reviews. Why? Because you want to know what people are saying about this particular product. And you want to know, are they saying, is it, is it, is it poor? Is it, is it fair? Is it good? I mean, we can look at the, this scale, you know. Is it poor? Is it fair? Is it good? Is it very good? Or is it excellent? God God says, here's what's possible for you and me. Moral excellence is possible for you and me. It's possible. And the only reason why it's possible is because your old nature is dead if you know Christ. And you've been given, and I've been given, a brand new divine nature, and that power in you gives you the ability to live out your purposes and to be morally excellent in all that you do and think and see and say. You have that ability. You have that power, that nature in you, and I have that in, in us to do it. And as a result of that, as a result of that, look what he says. Now and for this very reason, applying all diligence in your face, apply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge. Knowledge. That means you'll, you'll get to know God better. You grow in your faith in, in Jesus. And then, and then from there, he says this. Look what he says. And in your knowledge, self-control. Wait, what? Yeah, so when you start applying diligently moral excellence, which you have the capacity to do because of the divine power that is in you, then you're going to start having greater knowledge of who God is and the purposes and the will of God for your life. And then what's going to happen is in that from there, it's going to develop self-control in your life. And then in your self-control, perseverance. So whatever hard thing you go through, whatever difficult challenges you face, that you're going to be able to persevere through them and still honor God in your life. And then ultimately in your perseverance, godliness. Godliness. Because in you, in you, has been given everything that you need for life and godliness. You have that supply available for you to be godly. To not give in to the world's appetites, to not give in to the world's actions, to, and to not succumb to the world's associations. But instead, God has given you a power to win over the things that are so easily 
defeating us on a day-to-day basis. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's pray. Father, I pray, Lord, that all of us in here will start by just applying with diligence moral excellence. Just like anything in life that we want to strive for and attain, it's gonna, it, we're going to need to apply all diligence. And, and when it comes to the standard that you have for us, the standard of excellence that you have for us, when it comes to our morality and our decision-making and our choices and our self-control specifically, God, you, you, you ask us to have morals that are excellent. And you've given us the supply. You've given us the supplies that we need. You've given us your divine nature, your divine power. You've given us these incredible promises. You want to multiply your grace and you want to multiply your peace in and through us. And Lord, you've given us all that we need, all that we need inside of us for life, to have a life that is abundant and full and fulfilling and godliness. That when people see us, they see Jesus in and through us, in our appetites, in our actions, and in our associations, they just see Jesus. So God, I pray that we know what our purpose here, and that is to bring glory to you, bring glory and honor to you in all things that we do, that we do, and we have it within us to do it. Not because we earned it, not because we deserve it, because of who you are and what you've done for all of us. We thank you that you've allowed us to be a new creature, a new creation through your son, Jesus. And it's his, in his name we pray. Amen.